Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in the press row, a uh, beautiful Monday here in Seattle post Father's Day. Hope everyone had a happy, healthy, and safe Father's Day. Jonah Siegel coming to you. And uh, it has been, if you follow the blog at torontosportsmedia.com, it has been a most surreal couple of days uh, in the sports media world. First, we had uh, the Steve Simmons uh, scoop, if you will, that Austin Matthews allegedly has tested positive that uh, followed Steve being on TSN 1050 only to have that interview yanked. It has now reappeared this afternoon, I am told. Um, Yet nobody else is really covering the story. Like very few people are covering that story. It has been all but um, squashed. We have it up at torontosportsmedia.com. You can can hear the whole interview there. And uh, the second story is more disturbing to me, but it also has appeared to have been quashed. And Ken Campbell of the Hockey News broke the story that Dan Carcillo and another player have filed a class action lawsuit against the OHL and a couple other of the leagues in junior hockey uh, as it relates to hazing. And there is a full uh, detailed discussion of that also at torontosportsmedia.com, including in part, a link to an article, an interview, I should say, uh, where my guest today, Brock McGillis, joined uh, Jeff Blair, Stephen Brunt, and Richard Deitch. Brock, how are you today? I'm well. How are you? Good. It's, uh, I really appreciate you doing this on, on short notice. I would imagine you've been uh, extremely busy given everything that's going on in the world today. Yeah, I think um, this is our number... 14. We're over 14 hours straight of media. So I don't ask all the same questions. Um, what's the number one question people are asking you? Am I surprised by the stuff in the Carcillo um, lawsuit? Okay. So um, for those who don't know, Brock is a uh, Torontonian, at least currently a Torontonian, Canadian raised. He is the first known player uh, to come out as gay, having played in uh, junior hockey, professional hockey as well. Um, has done an incredible job trying to help uh, educate us on uh, the culture in hockey. Uh, I think it goes beyond hockey. It's probably in sport, if you will. I don't think there's all that much difference between any of them with what he had to endure. And he is spending a good chunk, if not all of his life, trying to ease the pain of others who might either have to go through or who are going through uh, so they don't have to do it alone. Uh, The one thing that no matter any of us are trying to take on in this world, the one thing we don't want to do is have to feel like we're doing it alone. Have I accurately described a little bit about you? I mean, in 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah no, uh, yeah, I, I public speak. I, I, I act, I'm an LGBTQ plus and I guess mental health uh, activist. I public speak um, all over the world now. Um, I work in hockey culture, sport culture in general. I will um, probably privately later disagree with you on... Um, all the cultures being the same, I think, um, uh, my personal opinion, I think the, the language used in hockey culture might be the worst. 
Really? What, what, yeah. Why do you think that is? Uh, the insul insularity of the sport. Go on. Um, when you, you look at hockey, when you, when you take most sports, they're played in um, schools growing up. Okay. Um, the football players are at the school after school practicing and the, the, you know, outside the, the track team might be there. Um, there might be the soccer teams around the same area. There's men's teams, women's teams, um, the basketball, volleyball, and other teams all might share the same locker room. Um, so you're around different people. There's educators there. There's, um, you know, school groups that are still around, like academics that are doing extra things. There's gay straight alliances in the school. There's more diversity, whereas hockey is um, almost segregated off and isolated in this bubble, these arenas, and then broken apart by age. And they're with the same 20 people or 15 kids, six nights a week, nine months of the year. Uh, from the age of seven and their coach came from that same culture there's no academic there or teacher there kind of overseeing it with them uh, the coach came from the same culture his assistant coaches came from the same culture so it it's, perpetuates this you know hockey culture and then you grow up you're, you're with the same people until you hit about 16 and then you move away from home and it's arguably the youngest sport to consistently move away from home. Um, and then you move to these other communities where you automatically have 20 new friends, which are your teammates. And usually like if you're in the major junior level, that's seven nights a week or seven days a week where you're solely with these people. And then you leave to go home in your off season. And who do you hang out with? The hockey players you grew up with. Um, and you train with them and you get ready for your next season and, and all this. So it's, it's, you're constantly around each other. And that's why if you look at hockey, everyone dresses the same, talks the same, walks the same. Like I can go to any mall anywhere. And I, I speak at, you know, one, one area I'm really passionate about is speaking at schools. I can go to any school and I can always pick out the hockey kids. Besides the fact that they're bow-legged. Yeah. But well, <laughs> even if they're sitting down, I can pick them out sitting down in a crowd that they've gone there before me. I'll tell you which kids play hockey. It's wild. Yeah, so, so you've done 14 hours of interview. Yeah. How many have there been with all sports radio stations or all sports other stations? Today? Yeah, on this issue. Not the past. On the issue of the Carcillo... You know, people are reaching out to you in the last 24, hours. One. Uh, that was the Brunt, Blair, Deitch well, That was last interview. Week. That was last So week. this, today, um, nothing with them. Nothing with any sports radio shows. See, so the audience can't see me, but my head is down in it. So we've got umpteen all sports media outlets, TV and radio. Um, I'm going to pick on them just because they come to mind, but is, uh, has anyone reached out to you from the athletic? Yes. Okay. Yeah. I I've talked to the athletic. I'm doing something with them tomorrow. I've, I've talked to them in the past at nauseum about these issues. Um, in the past I've talked to, I, I did a bunch of write-ups with, uh, the hockey news and, and, uh, Matt Larkin, Matt Larkin, and I was supposed to talk this week again. And, um, Ken and I talk on a, you know, he's a subway guy too. So um, uh, I talk to him, but um, in terms of the all sports networks, no, I haven't. Um, I haven't that's, had and that's not because you have an exclusive agreement with the fan with Rogers, the, uh, with the sports nets fan five ninety, right? Like you're not turning, no. you didn't turn me down. So I'm no, I, I will talk to whoever wants to listen and, and has a platform that can help shift the culture of hockey. Well, I think I fit into both. Um, and I think my audience does too. So, so what, does that, like, what does that tell you when we have countless outlets across, not just Canada, but North America, 
that are all littered with former athletes themselves, people who are in and around the game from all levels uh, for years. They're experts, they're talking heads, they're insiders, whatever they are, and nobody wants to talk about them. Well, I think they, um, I think many of them, because they're so involved in the culture, I think it's twofold. Number one, uh, they don't like Dan, right? I think Dan Carcillo's past um, uh, and reputation um, precede him. And uh, because they don't like Dan, there's no discussion here. Um, I think the other issue is uh, many of the people don't see the issues because they they are so ingrained in the culture that they see, you know, what I see as a microscopic improvement of hockey culture, they see as like leaps and bounds, but I see it in the 1970s in mainstream society, as opposed to, you know, they see because there's pride night or because they put in a rule against hazing that, you know, that, Hey, we're, we're progressive. And, and that's where I think um, a lot of the issues arise with sports uh, media covering this right now is it's twofold. Um, hockey in particular won't talk about any of it because they think they're progressive. And I think in an interview earlier today, I kind of said it's, they're kind of like the Republican Party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. It's, it's like, it's, you know, it's very entrenched in their ways and, and not willing to budge or shift. And the, the smallest little shift is like, they think they've, you know, uh, eradicated homophobia or racism or sexism. Um, so, and then on top of that, um, I, I don't think Dan Carcillo based off his past, which Again, his past isn't great, but they don't um, they don't engage with him. The ultimate defense in a lawsuit is the truth. So if what he was speaking of was BS, it'd be very easy for any of them to say BS. That's just not true. What he's talking about, and one of them uh, did. Now, that, that individual has since apologized. Um, yeah, he, he, um, I'm talking about Andrew Walker he used to be on the fan in Toronto is now out in Vancouver, but and, and Andrew line, and I spoke the last line. I'll let you get there. Um, but the last line of his, you know, the last line of his soliloquy last week was maybe I'm speaking at a turn. I had a really tough time reading all that stuff today. I'm not saying junior hockey is perfect, but it's not as bad as you think. And then he says, you know, if we're talking about accountability, Dan Carcillo should be in prison filing this lawsuit from prison. You have to be wary of a witch hunt, especially guys when Michael Dick are called into question in reports like this. So go ahead. Like he, he's posted a very lengthy apology. I did not listen to his show today. Uh, apparently he did the same again on air. Uh, when you spoke to him, what was that like? Did you speak to him on air oh. or off air? No, uh, I, it was just uh, on socials because I had kind of, yes. when I saw that yesterday, I, I called it out and, and um, you know, we're, we're going to set some stuff up to talk. And, and um, I think he is at the very least open and willing to have a conversation about things. I think there's, there's, again, you go back to hockey culture and they're like, well, you know, like, like, people aren't being abused and it's like the same way and or they go this is 10 years ago and and i've heard that a lot um and i go yeah but people said that about you know when graham james um molested those players yeah but that was 10 years ago we've come so far and then david frost came around and this one came around and now we're seeing this thing that katie strang has you know uncovered in usa hockey and and no, we haven't evolved. We just, it's not as overt maybe as it was before, 
But um, the, like we just saw a kid, they're saying, well, it was, you know, 10 years ago, Carcillo and blah, blah, blah. And then we hear a kid say he got cocaine shoved up his nose a year or two ago. And, and you know, and, and I was trying to explain that to Andrew and the stories I've heard in junior hockey and in minor hockey and, and different things. And it's like, hey, there's, there's like maybe – you know, things aren't coming out, but it's also because of the power and influence that a lot of coaches and different people have within the sport that'll impact your career. So they're not coming out with it now because if you do, you're you toast. Yeah, you you're done. I get threatened to be kicked out of hockey all the time. And, and I, don't, I don't attempt to burn it down. Like I'm pretty, you know, I, I play a politician pretty well. I'm thinking about getting into politics. Um, and and because of it i've learned so much um and i get accused of burning it down you know and and it's it's insane to me that people can't see it but i think that comes from and if you look at like this black lives matter movement and talking about white privilege there's that uh, there's a privilege within that hockey world for those straight white hockey guys who haven't experienced any of this to be able to say well didn't happen to me therefore it didn't exist or therefore you know or or well this happened back then and the abuse is different today therefore it's not bad we've we've progressed and it's like no that's not progression you know what i mean yeah i mean maybe i'm crazy but you know when when the penn state allegations came out against joe paternity I said that to him. Uh, there, were, there was a lot of outrage then, uh, yeah. nationally. And, and there was a massive penalty um, when the U.S. gymnastics team. You got it. Like, I am, I am really uh, appalled at the and, – and listen, like, I don't care who brought it up. They filed a lawsuit. And again, nobody has come out and said, Walker's the only guy who came out and said, and put it in words, I'm not saying junior hockey is perfect, but it's not as bad as you think. No, well, one, else that, no one else that I've seen has said that. Apparently Burke and Bourne did. Okay. Uh, um, apparently they both said that it's, it's so much better and there's uh, provisions put in today. And there's rules uh, against hazing and different things. Um, and there's rules against drinking and driving too. People still do it. Well, yeah, there's rules against you know stealing. <laughs> you know, it still exists. And 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 the way I've tried to explain to people when they go, um, "Well, Dan Carcillo was the biggest offender," I'm like, "Well, yeah, fair," but um, when people suffer abuse studies show abuse um and on top of that um just because dan you know was a jerk at that point in his life doesn't mean his claims aren't valid and doesn't mean that he didn't experience abuse Uh, and and it's it would be the equivalent of a, a sex worker saying that they were raped well, do we not believe them because they, you know, are sex workers? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I, I think, you, you know, like it's, it, if, if this exists, it exists. And, and it's something that it's easier to try and sweep under and not engage with because then other people's shit will all come to the surface. And, and it's easier to disengage or say it's improved or, or brush it off than actually systemically look at the culture of hockey and shift it. So riddle me this, Batman. Junior hockey, I'm not saying junior hockey is perfect, but it's not as bad as you think. Is it? It's worse. It's worse. It's worse like, than you like, think. Like I gotta tell you, like so you that's all, all hockey. That's not just junior, that's all hockey. So you're in, you're in Toronto mm-hmm. in the last five years, at least in the last four years, St. Mike's college at the corner of Bathurst and, and St. Clair ish um, went through a case where some teenage boys 
sodomized another couple of boys at the school. Like that to me is pretty bad. When I read when I read that, that these kids in hockey are forced to bob from apples, but they're not bobbing out of water. I figured, all right, they're bobbing out of tequila, vodka, some no. concoction of booze. But to hear that it's human fluid, like that is the mo- one of the most, if not the most vile thing that I've ever heard. And, and to the point of people saying Carcillo wants to burn down hockey, so I keep hearing that. If he did, <laughs> but if, he, if, he, if that was his, his full intent, wouldn't he have named all the players who, um, you know, were the veterans doing that? Yeah, like, like just just from a logical perspective, when you've when you've called each person out individually one by one, the only people he's ever taken on and challenged are people with massive platforms. Yeah, I did. Like, I, I, I want to get back to the fact that kids were forced to bob for apples in human fluid. Like, did you ever see, did you ever witness that? I was like, is that like a known game? No, I did have uh, a teammate. Um, shit in my shoe that's disgusting but it's not having to yeah it's not the same extreme i mean i've seen i've, I've seen a lot of stuff in the hockey locker room there's no doubt I, nothing to that extreme were you surprised when you read that no nothing there shocks me like that to me is i don't care who's saying it if there's a morsel of truth and again nobody has come out and said yet. Yeah. now granted it's a legal case but nobody's come out and said these allegations are false. They're made up. Like, if, well, if, if, as if, of even two or three years ago, most of the teammates came out and said it was true. Like, I don't like this. Should be run along with Black Lives Matter, Corona. Um, this should be front page news round the clock. And you told me earlier that you know you did fourteen hours, and you know like. I, I just don't get it. I do not understand. This is Canada's game. And if this... That's why. If this stuff is... Like, how is that possible? That's why. Take it Take it a step out of... Take it... So we're talking about the insularity of hockey. But then you look at hockey culture or, or the sport itself. Um, everyone, want, everyone feels attached to it in a sense. You know, there's there's some connection to the sport uh, at some capacity for ninety percent of Canadians. Yeah. Um, so to hear that something that you that is essentially Canadiana, you know, our our identity could be bad or wrong. Maybe it says something about Canadians, and and maybe it says something that we're not as you know, there's, there's uh, Canadians are so nice and they're so great and this and that, but maybe in fact, we're not, it's like even through black lives matter, um, people kept saying, Oh, I'm so happy. I'm Canadian. And I was like, Oh yeah. Have you Googled residential schools? Have, have you looked at what happened to Japanese people in, in Vancouver, like, or in, uh, BC, like, like, really our, our history isn't much better if at all. And, and, um, but it would take self-reflection. I say Canadians are more polite than Americans as a whole, but at least in America, you have a sense of who likes you and who doesn't, <laughs> you know, it's, it's more direct and to the point, but in Canada, and I think that that is a deeper rooted issue than all of it is the, the self-reflection that would have to happen amongst Canadians that will never happen. So Sean Fitzgerald has a great book out called Before mm-hmm. the Lights Go Out. And I'm looking at Amazon on my computer right now and it said, a love letter to a sport that's losing itself from one of Canada's best sports writers. I think Amazon wrote this. Canada hockey is approaching a state of crisis. It's become more expensive, more exclusive, and effectively off-limits to huge swaths of the potential sports-loving population. Youth registration numbers are stagnant. Efforts to appeal to new Canadians are often grim at best. The game increasingly does not resemble the country of which it's for so long and been an integral part. With an asterisk. And And by by the way, way, let me tell you what's going on in the locker rooms in that sport. Like, he needs to write either 
another chapter or another book? But this, and, and that's just not Major Junior, and I've been saying this over and over, this is, this is an issue at every level. I had a coach of, I had a parent of 10-year-olds come to me who's the coach of the team was calling the kids faggots. And, and nice haircut fag and would make racist and homophobic remarks to officials. And uh, the parent went to the association complained. They did nothing. His kid got cut the next year um, for speaking out. Uh, other parents were afraid to speak out. And, um, you know, I, I took it to the OHF. They did nothing. Um, I, I talked to the OHF about a number of different issues in hockey. Heck, the OHF asked me to sit on their board of directors. And when I met with somebody in this you're the first person I told this. Uh, one of the things that was said to me by somebody who interviewed me who sits on the board of another association was, yeah, we're looking to grow the game by bringing in Asians. There's a lot of them. <laughs> Take a deep breath for a second. Let me pay a bill for a second. We'll come back to that. Uh, Sleep Envy is more than a mattress. Customize your mattress by taking a one-minute quiz. It ships in a box. It comes right to your door. Try it for 100 nights in the comfort of your home. Shipping is always free. If you're not satisfied, which is highly unlikely, they pick it up and refund you 100% of your money. Use the code PRESSROW at checkout to get 25% off. 10% of sales is going to feed the hungry during the Christmas. Shut down. Go to sleepenvy.com. That's S-L-E-E-P-E-N-V-I-E.com. Enter the code PRESSROW at checkout for 25% off your purchase price. So you made, you've made the rounds. And I heard part of the interview with uh, Brunt, Deitch, and Blair. Um, kudos to them to at least having you on. Uh, yeah, I was impressed. I, I was happy about that. What, when, you, when, you, when it's over and you listen to that or replay it in your mind, what was your takeaway from that interview? My takeaway was that people who cover hockey at the station um, at least for um, one or two of them that were sitting there that day, um, told them that hockey's fine and that hockey's improved. And I got the sense that at least one of them really believed it and wasn't really buying what I was saying. Who's that? Who do you think doesn't think we have a problem here? Oh, uh, it was just in known. I mean, um, so maybe we'll leave his name out of it. Okay. Okay. Um, but you can hear it. You'll yeah. hear it. Yeah. Um, but, um, but I got the sense that one of them what, didn't believe it. Uh, one of them definitely believed it. And one of them seemed unsure. And, and you know, that could be just, again, tone. I don't want to excuse any of it because it wasn't, you know, like they overtly said yeah. that. Yeah. Um, uh, they did seem open for more engagement. It was um, uh, a crazy show. I was supposed to be on it two and then three and then four, 50, because um, that's when Simmons came out with the Matthew stuff. Um, and, uh, that's when um, uh, all the, the Blue Jays shut down their spring training at the same time. So it went like, it, it was a madness afternoon, I think. And, and um, I don't know. I think that, again, um, people seem to think that um, hockey reporters are woke. And one of them used that term. Um, and like they've been enlightened yeah and and maybe they're woke by, by hockey standards but that isn't woke um that isn't you know like step out of the bubble and see the world and come back that is you know you're you're ingrained and entrenched in a culture that's been the same for decade after decade and you know it, it, it hasn't evolved 
um, and you have the same people gatekeeping at all the levels that have been there forever. Like people were throwing around the board of Hockey Canada today and it's all, you know, white guys over 60 who, um, you know, uh, don't necessarily reflect totally the culture today to not have any diversity at all. And it's the same with the OHF board. It's the same with USA Hockey. Like I think they have two uh, USA Hockey uh, employs two black people. And I don't think they employ any LGBTQ plus members. Um, I don't know if Hockey Canada employs any LGBTQ plus people. But, you know, it's, it's so if you haven't stepped out, like I, I'm pretty fortunate that I've, you know, been immersed in that culture and to the detriment of my health and everything else. And, um, but I've also, because of my sexuality and everything else, I've been forced to step out and, and I've sort of seen the world from both sides and now I've been able to critically assess and, and, you know, and I talk to academics, do you know, there are a lot of academics who study different things within men's hockey, whether it's homophobia, racism, sexism, abuse, um, all these things are all studied and none of these groups go to them. Like I was on with Ron McLean last week and Ron's the first one I've seen. He's had Courtney Z on who studies very much. Cheryl McDonald on with me who studies homophobia in hockey. And, but Hockey Canada, OHF, NHL, USA Hockey, uh, uh, CHL, nobody goes to them. Nobody goes to them to engage in this stuff. And, and you know, they, they have the same people on the same task forces and the same committees and everything else and nothing ever changes. So for them to say it's improved because they put in rules is bullshit. Well, I'm going to say something that's going to probably bring back a memory, but it's a lot, it's a lot like don't ask, don't tell. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 completely. You know, it, it, it really is. And, and it's, you know, um, uh, it's, it's become that in the culture. It's like, uh, let's turn a blind eye. And, and now we don't, it's not overt what's going on. And we don't really talk about it, but this stuff still goes on. The, the, even just from the small things like language in locker rooms, you know, like the language in locker rooms is still racist, sexist, and homophobic. Uh, hockey players put each other down typically by using homophobia and sexism. And that is a reality. Um, and when there's players of color, they're put down using racist language. Um, and that is something I try and curb. And I was going around the O for a bit. Um, I couldn't get them. I was the only program they had that they wouldn't make mandatory. So I stopped doing it because if they're not going to completely buy in, I'm not going to spend my time doing it. Um, but it, it's, um, you know, disappointing because it was, uh, starting to shift things and, and have people recognize the culture, but hockey culture is so bad. Name me another sport where a player would be traded twice because he enjoys reading and libraries and art museums. <laughs> Name me another sport where an elite player, a six foot five right hand shot defenseman who can skate and put up a point a game like Dougie Hamilton would be traded twice because he doesn't fit into the culture because he doesn't drink and party with the boys. But I try and shift it now. When I, when I go to teams, one of the things I do after I've humanized issues is I talk about um, the conformity in the culture. So I, one exercise I do is I get them to... One exercise I do is I get them to um, share something. You, you call yourself a family or brothers or some analogy like that. Every team uses that crap, right? Yeah. And share something with me you wouldn't typically tell a teammate that you enjoy and a tough guy of a team stand up and say i love writing poetry <laughs> no i'm not kidding i had another player major junior stand up and say if i don't make the nhl i'm gonna be a zoologist 
and a first-year player jumped out of his seat and said, I love animal documentaries. The coach stood up and said, I love Broadway musicals. My wife and I go to them every summer. Now they're bonding on a deeper level. Now they're breaking some barriers of the conformity within the sport where all you're allowed to talk about are women, sports, and partying. So now maybe that Muslim kid that's playing hockey in Canada can, you know, stand up and be in that room and feel comfortable. The, the black player who doesn't have anyone else that looks like him around can stand up and be comfortable. That gay kid can say, I like men, you know, and, and we start to break down the barriers. So it shifts, but it's, you know, like, the people in church don't want that. Hockey culture doesn't want to evolve. So that was my question. So the game has evolved. The goon is gone. Yes. The enforcer is gone. Skill is now carrying the day. But what you're talking about is revolutionary change. So if you can wave your magic wand, where's the top of the funnel to you? Where, where does this begin? Where do we start? I think it's a three-tiered approach. I think it's start recognizing the issues um, that exist. And, you know, racism, racism, homophobia, mental illness, abuse, all those things. Um, and, and you recognize them at three levels. NHL, um, junior major junior to junior like ushl major junior that, that type of thing i think those kids have more influence in culture and society than nhl players i really believe that because i equate them to like youtubers or instagram influencers where they're accessible they're revered by adults the same way as an nhl player is except their peers look up to them and then copy kind of their you know, their language, their behaviors, their, their trendsetters in, in, you know, their, their age and their within amongst their peers. And they're accessible to youth who look up to them. Whereas Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid, that's Brad Pitt. That's somebody you're not going to meet. Right. But you're going to see this guy at the bar in, in the small town, Ontario or Canada or U.S., right? Um, so I think the NHL there and then grassroots at the minor level, minor hockey. Um, and I think the first step is humanizing the issues. Do you think, you need, or go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go no, ahead. finish your thought. Finish your thought. It's more important. Oh, That's my question. okay. You, you need both have the lived experience within the sport to humanize it because it is so insular. They won't listen to anyone else. So you take people who have experienced, there's enough people, there's the Sheldon Kennedys of the world who have experienced abuse. You take people like myself who speak on, you know, their experience being gay in the sport. You take a woman who's been in the men's side of the game and, and talk about the sexism that she's experienced. You take a, a player who's black or a person of color and, and share their experience with racism within it. And, and we've seen, especially through the Black Lives Matter movement, that once you humanize things for these people who have been in this insular bubble, they want to learn more. You can't just shove education at them and you can't just shove discipline uh, up. Humanize first so they recognize. Then from there, you work with those academics that I was mentioning and you start to engage with them to put together proper um, educational components that will work within the, the constructs of the hockey environment. And then from there, you look to reform. And from there, you look at, uh, instead of doing, you know, uh, just uh, suspensions, you look at different ways to engage on um, uh, when, you know, somebody gets out of line or says the wrong thing or does the wrong thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's got to start with that humanizing aspect because they don't, they don't know that there's a world outside the rink, you know? Does the fact that um, the rise of pro athletes coming out of college hockey, does that give you any hope? No, because I think they're, they're in the same bubble. It's just a different bubble. 
So the fact that U.S. Um, the U.S. has the, the grown-ups around that you talked about, the, the, the teachers and stuff, the U.S. college environment, you don't think is any better? Um, no, because hockey is, the teachers aren't around the rink. Okay. It's, it's hockey people around the rink. The culture shifts when you move over to the, the rink. They may be a little more aware because they're in class, but a lot of the times, like if they're going to school at 18 and they think they're making the NHL, how engaged are they with academics? Whereas I think players, if you look at like Canadian university hockey players, um, and, and this isn't an American or Canadian thing, but most of them recognize at that point that their careers are over and they're really immersed in studies. A lot of them are. So then at that point, so if you took a fourth year player, um, you know, or fifth year NCAA player who's immersed in his studies and is focused on his future outside the sport of hockey, he might be a little more self-aware because he's engaging in study groups and he's doing different things and he's, you know, but, but that person who's taking the bird course to get by and then go play sport, um, that's no different than the kid taking the one university or college course in the OHL. Do you think that the personality at the various sports outlets have been told thou shalt not discuss this? I, I, I've wondered that. I think there's, there's might be something to the fact that, um, you know, there's, if you, I, I don't understand TSN. I thought they'd be all over this. I thought Landsberg, um, I, I thought different people would be, you know, this would be nonstop talk. I, I understand if, you know, that's being told to Sportsnet because, I mean, they hold the NHL rights and the CHL rights. So that would make sense to me. I don't, I, I just think that again, um, you know, uh, you go to TSN, one, one of the first people to rip Carcillo was O'Neill. And, you know, for, from all accounts, great guy, but, you know, track record isn't all that much better. Um, and, you know, um, and, and that's, again, allegedly, I, I don't know him personally. Um, but I, I look at, you know, I think they don't like Carcillo and they also don't like shifting hockey culture because that's all they know. They've never stepped out. And that's why hockey people usually go into media covering hockey or coaching or management or skill development or training. I ran a hockey training business and then on a skill development business, two different businesses for six or seven years. And I finally got fed up because I was having kids come to me who were actually struggling in real life and about to kill themselves. And I went like, the fuck am I doing? You know, little Johnny didn't get power play at time tonight. And I get phone calls till four in the morning from mom and dad. And I'm like, this isn't like an issue. This isn't, you know. Um, so for me, my, like my involvement in hockey culture is to try and get it to become an empowerment tool for all these kids that are in fairness, in fairness more to so than in fairness to TSN, Rick West did, did as he always does. He did a great job covering it. He's awesome. But he's more of an, an investigative journalist than he is somebody who is a hockey guy immersed in hockey. Do you know what I mean? Like no, he, he seems to be more down th that path than um, the hockey media people who are, you know, day in, day out hockey, who grew up in the hockey world, who played the sport and, and who talk about it nonstop. Yeah, listen, like, as I started with, um, the last three, four days has been the most surprising since I've done this. Um, two stories being, for the most part, buried. Um, well, three, I would say three. I would say that Eric Guest story got buried too. True. I, I, I was going to lump that, you know, how a kid being forced to snort cocaine, like, I just don't get, like, listen, I, 
people were appalled with the amount of money that these players were spending at rookie dinners. And I understood that the hazing, so to speak, had graduated to that. And I'm going to duck when I say, like, I almost don't have a, like, if, if, if they need to do something, if that's what they're doing, although it's discussed, it's obscene, it's a different kind of obscene. It's not humiliating. Um, it's completely unnecessary, but I don't think it necessarily goes to the same level of personal injury, if you will, that the old, the things in that lawsuit or the things that we've all heard about happening, um, you know, shaving body parts, et cetera. Um, those things are to me that there, there's a line and a rookie dinner doesn't cross it where those other, anything that involves the touching or doing something to somebody's body or making them ingest something is, a, is crossing a line. I, I just think all of it's bullshit. There's no need for it. There, like, there, there really isn't. If, if you can, you know, the mentality should be like, let's just play the sport. Let's, you know, you, you don't need to buy somebody a meal to bond. And, and over the course of the season, you probably get each other's meals anyway. So like who, why even do that? You know what I mean? Or in this other stuff, it's just so barbaric and archaic and, and um, even rookie parties or just making people drink. And, and I did it and I, you know, took part in those things and saw it and, and, you know, but it's absurd. It's absurd, and, and, and the actual ramifications of it on some people are traumatic. Like, and I don't understand what it's going to take for hockey culture to want to evolve. Um, is it going to be the kid that's bullied into killing himself? Is it going to be the gay kid that couldn't handle it and did die, like how I probably should have all those times when I was a major junior and tried to? You know, is, is it going to be um, more lawsuits? Because, like, and, and I've been very vocal in any media I have done to the rest of hockey that they're really lucky right now that this is only a CHL matter. Well, I can tell you that I went to the University of Vermont undergrad. Four to four years, there was a fraternity-related death there. I graduated in 94. And... My son is now looking at U.S. colleges, and the Greek system is alive and well. And, and that's my point, right? So when cultures don't shift and evolve, and, and they perpetuate themselves, and, and, you know, and then abuse people abuse people. So it just continues over and over, and then they become coaches and perpetuate the culture, and uh, hockey people stay in hockey and keep the bubble real tight. And that's why it is the way it is. And it has until they let. Well, I'm just going to say that wanting to change that isn't about ending the game, and it isn't about ending the love of the game, nor the promotion of the game. Oh, right. I, when and when I call this like I've called out the NHL on a few things in the past, and when I do, I get death threats, like literal death threats, and and. You know, and or people within the sport accuse me of trying to burn it down. I have thousands of stories that if I wanted to burn down the sport of hockey, I I, I could burn it. Mm -hmm. I could take you know the gasoline in one hand, the match in the other, and it would be burnt. I'm intent. Watch. What's that? Still watch? Yeah. Not as much as I used to. Um, if there's a Raptors game on or a Leafs game, I'm watching the Raptors. Um, I still do watch. I don't engage as much as I used to. Um, I have a hard time with it. I have a hard time because of the culture of it. I have a hard time because of the pandering to the LGBT community by having a pride night, but you're not shifting anything in your culture to make it inclusive for queer kids. I have a hard time when, you know, there's so much racism and they don't stand up at the NHL level for JT Brown and you know they they leave them out there on an island alone um uh, there there's a lot of things that i struggle with at that level all the way down to the minor hockey level and up until a few years ago i was coaching AAA and helping out junior teams and 
different things. You know what I mean? And, and I still, I, I really struggle with it. I'd like to say that I'm optimistic. Uh, and I think the, what would have led me to be optimistic is if there was as much outrage to this as I thought there would be. Um, and I'm shocked that there isn't. Like I, I think everyone's I, afraid. I think they're afraid for their own jobs. I think it's the same reason why things get covered up in minor hockey, including the abuse scandal in the U.S. Um, by the head of USA Hockey. You know, uh, people have in the hockey world, I, I don't think there's a lot of angels. Um, and we've been a part of uh, a system uh, and a vicious cycle of abuse and oppression where we've, you know, inflicted on one another. And as soon as somebody's story comes out or they get canceled or, or fired or you condemn them, uh, all your skeletons will come up. Well, I am hopeful that there appears to be progress being made in management that hopefully will lead to revolutionary change. Um, it's, it's, it's disheartening to say the least as a parent and as somebody who loves the game. Uh, I don't equate the two. Uh, I, I really struggle to equate the necessity for a certain culture versus to go alongside with the love of a sport and the playing of a game. And I don't know why. I just fail. I just don't get why they necessarily have to be tied together. I agree. Oh, this has been great. Uh, keep on keeping on. You're doing really good, important work. Um, I really appreciate you doing it and I hope uh, we can have you come back sometime. Well, thank you. No, I appreciate it anytime. I mean, I'm working on something right now on, uh, I started this week putting st motions in place to start a queer hockey Alliance and to really shift and get seats at tables and, and push to evolve the sport. So I'll let you know how that goes. Yeah, listen, we're, we're, we're always here to, to have you on. Uh, again, well, thank really, you. Really, really, really appreciate it. It's been uh, somewhat depressing, but uh, it's good to see that you're doing the work, and, and I hope it brings a constant change. You know what? It, it will happen. It's going to take time. It's just waiting in, in the interim. So remember, uh, this is Leave in the Press Row. Sign up so you can get these automatically downloaded into whatever way you uh, listen to your pod, sign up, subscribe, and uh, we will see you next time in the press row. Thanks a lot. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu visit.